Hello and welcome to the Every Nation Twane Moikluf podcast. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message with us. Good morning, everybody. It's important that we get a good perspective of who God is. And as we're speaking about whose word is this anyway, we're talking about the word of God. This is really important that you and I base what we believe and stand on the word of God and not just on emotions and feelings and things that goes around us, you know, because then we'll be swayed by all the winds of doctrine and feelings, but ultimately our stability is how you and I see the word of God. I brought you, I've got, I brought with my very special Bible. This Bible was given to me by my late dad, when I was nine years old, 41 years ago, my dad gave me this Bible. It's actually more than that. And why this is so special is not just because my dad gave it to me. But when I was a little boy and my dad gave me this Bible, I did not understand what will be the effect of this book. I did not understand that. I mean, I'm a child. And then he started, I could see my dad's life, how he literally daily sat and he read his Bible and he would pray. And, you know, I could see my dad go through really turmoil on a farm. And then my dad would turn to this being in the air that he's praying to. And he would speak to him. And then we see things happening and things working out. And I kind of got really interested as a child. Who is this person my dad is talking to? And when he speaks to him, Things happen that we can't physically see with our eyes and then suddenly it appears physically and it happens. And I started to realize with my dad, everything he does, he finds somewhere in this book. Everything he does, he finds an answer here. And whenever he faces challenges, he goes back to this book. And whenever he goes through uncertainty, he goes back to this book. And it's everything was based on this book. And that made me start to become really interested in this book myself and start to search the book and read the book myself. See friends, if you look at today, I bought a new Bible. The reason why I bought a new Bible is it's not underlined. So I can't have crypt notes shortcut to, oh, where was that again? I have to start to do it again. And it actually makes me wanna read the Bible afresh again. What is so powerful about this book? Christian spoke last week about do you trust this book? How do you know somebody trusts it? You study it, you meditate on it, and you obey it. We'll be speaking next week about do we love the word of God? The word of God we love, and then the word of God that sends us to share the word of God. I'm gonna focus this morning on the word of God that we stand on. I'm glad this platform is pretty stable. I don't want to jump. <laughs> you see, when you look at the Word of God, why is this book so powerful? The Word. Now, you and I have a written Word today, but the people that we read about here, they did not have a written Word. So what Bible did they read? They didn't have a Bible. They were listening to a Word. They were hearing a Word. 
The word from the beginning, when God came and he got involved and he looked at the earth and it was dull and was nothing and God started to create the earth with the Jesus and Holy Spirit right there at creation. From the beginning, God is a God as involved. You read through Genesis, God created for a purpose. And from the beginning, you read one story from Genesis to Revelation. You see God's creation. You see the fall of man. You see the nation Israel, how God brings the nation of Israel into existence because he wanted to dwell among his people. But from that place, you see them rebelling. And then you see the redemption of God. And from redemption, we are still now living in new creation. That's the main themes of the whole Bible. And when you look at the Bible, you start to read this Bible and say, what is this about? We are privileged today that we have things written that were spoken, the same life, the same spoken word, the word that brings life. You and I have that we can read on pages today and we can see what happened and we can, okay, that's the truth. Jesus said this, that's what happened there. And we look at the issues of life and we can see it. We don't have to wait for somebody to come and tell us. You can literally in the morning wake up and you can open up your Bible and you can find the words of life in your book. That is one of the main reasons the enemy will make sure you don't read your Bible. That's one of the main reasons the enemy will give you so many reasons not to trust the Bible. That's one of the main reasons why. Because when you open up this book, it opens you up. It's a mirror. You see exactly who you are. You see exactly what life is about. And they, so what happens? The moment you open up, our hearts are challenged. For those who want to become like God, they dive into this book. They grab this book. They study this book. They want to get to know God. But those who don't want to be like God, when they open up the book, the book opens them up and they close it very quickly because you don't want to look into a mirror. Do you know that this book, this word, defines every single word ever spoken by any human being and it will define every single word spoken in the future by any human being. This book defines every single book written on the face of the earth. This book is the centrality of all words spoken and will be spoken. This book defines the totality of creation. This book defines the totality of mankind. This is not a storybook. This is not a historical book. This is active, life-giving words put on paper so that you and I not just encounter the knowledge of it, but we can encounter the power of it. And that transforms our lives. When you and I read the word of God just to get knowledge about the Bible, that's all you will get is knowledge. Knowledge gives you the ability to participate in conversation, but knowledge will keep you in deception of the transformation that the Bible also can give you. Our goal of the word of, with the word of God is not just what we read. Our goal with the word of God is what we become and how it changes us. 2 Timothy 2, verse 3 to 17. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. 
But evil people and impostors will flourish, go on from bad to worse. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scripture from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare us and equip His people to do every good work. God bless His Word. When you look at the Word of God, it starts off here, it says, everyone, anyone, it's an invitation, open invitation, who wants to live a godly life. Anyone who wants to see a change to their lives. If you look at people, there's not one person on the face of the earth that will literally look at themselves and say, I'm totally satisfied because everything is perfect. Every person aspires to something else. Every single job opportunity is an aspiration to something. Every single relationship you build is an aspiration to something. Every decision you make is an aspiration to something. The question is, what are you chasing? What is it that you're looking for? You see, the word says, anybody who desires to become like God, who wants to be godly, the Bible says it's available in Christ Jesus. The very first point we see is this book, the word that we stand on, it saves us. It only, not only saves us once when we give our lives to Christ, I had the privilege at the age of six that I gave my life to Jesus. Like I said, I grew up and my parents are farmers, grew up in a home where I saw my parents' life, something different. But there was a moment in my life that I realized my life, although I'm in a Christian home, that does not make me a Christian. See, many Christians think I'm a Christian because I grew up in South Africa and I grew up in a Christian environment. I grew up in a Christian home, therefore I'm a Christian. And that's why we look at many people say, wow, why is Christianity not coming to the actions? Is because growing up in a Christian home does not make you a Christian. As much as being born in a garage does not make you a car. You know, eating McDonald's does not make you McDonald's. You're gonna look like one, but you're not a McDonald's. There must be something happening beyond just being born in a garage. Being born in a Christian home does not make you a Christian. It's being born again, according to John 3 verse 3. Unless you are born again, you will never see, never understand, and be able to enter the secret place of who God is. And as long as you and I don't find our satisfaction in God, we will look forward in something else. Our aspirations, if it's not turned towards God, even as a born-again believer, if your aspiration is not to become like God, your aspiration will turn away from it. There is no two ways about it. How do we know, Paul says, out of experience, if you wanna live this life, now keep in mind, Paul is like, you know, entering into a culture that nobody is Christians, they don't know about Christianity, they have all these traditional laws. And here he comes and says, there is a different Lord than Caesar. There is a Lord of Lords. And he started to proclaim this gospel. And then he started to have a lot of people who don't like him. 
Christianity is not into the popularity business. Christianity has nothing to do with how many people follow you on Instagram and TikTok. In fact, that is how many Christians fall. Because popularity will make you compromise the purity of the gospel. God has not called us to be celebrities. God has called us to be subordinates of who he is and desire him. And then it contrasts these people who want to have a godly life with, but, the word but always contrasts, but evil people and imposters will flourish. They will go from bad to worse. We're living in season and times where things are getting extreme. If you look at all the confusion in the world, from gender confusion to this confusion to that, you know, how many people, oh, is this really the word of God? You know, can this really be true? It was written by people. The person who say that has never done a study how the Bible came together. Because every single person who makes that statement and has never ever gone, before you speak that statement, go and do yourself a favor and go and find out the facts, how the Bible came together. Then it will silence your arrogance and your ignorance. The Quran was written by one person. How many mistakes can one person make? What's the chance if you say three people need to write the same thing versus one person? Who's gonna make the most mistakes? The three people. They will contradict each other. The Quran was written by one person. They found 2,000 manuscripts. There are more mistakes and contradictions. In fact, in the beginning of the Quran, they talk about loving people. At the end of the Quran, there's jihad, where you kill people. It is a progressive contradiction. One person written, more contradictions. Not one prophecy fulfilled. Not one miracle recorded. Not one. This book was written by 40 different writers over a thousand years in three different continents, three different languages, and not Afrikaans, it is Greek, it is Hebrew, it is difficult languages, three different languages. Over a thousand years, people like you, listen, you're making notes, you're making notes, and then we find your notes a few years later, and we realize you are saying the same, you are saying the same, and we compare those notes, and they come together, and you find from 40 different writers over his time of thousand years, they could only find 0.5% variances. And you want to argue this is a normal book? You're irrational, that's what it is. You're literally not thinking now. There's no way that human beings can do that. Therefore, all scripture is inspired by God. What it means, this book is not just about God. It is characterized God. It is God himself displayed. It's God himself making himself known. It's God himself revealing himself because he has such a desire that you will know him. He has such a desire that you will not be deceived by the things of the world, that you will not find, be attracted by the things of the world. That's why every attempt, they wanna make sure that you don't trust this book is an attempt to destroy your life and your relationship with Jesus. It's not about the book. It's by trying to deceive you into a lifestyle that lives without this book. I'm grateful today for a dad who valued 
this book more than money, more than business, more than anything else. And one thing my dad made sure, he made sure that we as children value this book. Today, all my brothers, my sister, our children already serve God. Why? Because my dad's dad served God. Friends, I want to encourage you, loving this book, reading this book, believing this book, it's not just the best thing you will do for yourself. This is the best thing you will do for your children, your children's children, and your children's children's children. We went to a church in Manila where they took us to this church where the Protestants came into Manila and where they started. It's a big building. It's great. Not much happening. Whom of you have been to UK? Whom of you have been to Europe? Whom of you have seen those incredible, beautiful church buildings? What's happening on the inside? Most of them, nothing. Why? The little bit of neglect that you and I do on a daily basis, the little bit of you and I, Satan allow us to say, yeah, oh, can I trust God? Because my experience, when I said this, didn't happen, you see, and we start to impose our experience on the word of God and we allow doubt to come in our hearts against this book. Slowly I'm drifting. You're still okay. And your child drifts further. We are one, two, three generations from being exactly like Europe, empty buildings. But we can prevent that. Where do we start? We see the charismatic, charismatic churches, charismatic churches, we, we love and we come together and we have this great hour and a half here. And it's awesome because God does something. But friends, if we don't take the word of God and we embed this and we install this in the hearts of people when they are not here in this hour and a half and they wake up tomorrow morning and they have to walk into their boardroom and this is not the book on which they base their decisions, they're not gonna last. The word of God is the foundation of your thinking. Faulty thinking always produces rotten lives. The way we think, the way we practice, and the way we ultimately live our lives, spiritualize and see things, comes directly from the word of God. You see, deceive means to be led astray, to cause to wonder. It, the Greek would literally talk about wandering bodies. If you see a wandering body, you know, some of your kids are wandering bodies. Like, what, is, what, what do you find when people still don't believe in the word of God? Then they wonder about that idea and then they wonder about that idea and then Facebook influences them then and then it's this idea and that idea and they're like children who are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. They never find stability. It is written, was Jesus' response when he was tempted. You know what, was that, what, that, what that was a rep repetition of? Adam and Eve. The moment they were tempted, did God say? God has got something that is hiding from you. You see, he wants you to believe that God is not true. He wants you to believe that this God of the Bible is not true. Did God say, will he keep his word? Does he not have a false motive? When he says no, oh, that's a bad thing. You know, God must always say yes to the things you want and he must always say no to things you don't want. And sometimes God says no to the things you want because it's not good for you. Did God say? And they submitted to the enemy's deception. Yet Jesus led into the desert 
And all he does, as God, Satan, it is written. Satan, it is written. And every single word was based on the word of God. How many Christians today serve God out of emotion, but if you ask them questions, they have no foundation. How many Christians today do things and they act on things, but when the word of God is absent, friends, you and I cannot stay, sustain ourselves because we had a great hype moment. We're not gonna stand just because we had a great worship moment. These are important moments. You and I stand because we stand on something more solid than emotions. We're standing on something more solid than load shedding and government things and ultimately, we stand on the word of God. And from the word of God, we confess signs that we've been deceived or being, you know, like we're more doubtful in God than ever before. Think about friendships. Since I became friends with this person, I remember years back, a friend of mine became part of a boys band. And me and Renee were close to this friend of ours. And after a while, I said to Renee, I'm concerned about this guy. Because the more I speak to him now, the more he kinds of doubt God. Then he doubts God. And every time I speak to him, he's, it's almost like he's drifting. His environment is not good for him. It came to a point where I one day stood, went to him and I stood in front of him and I said, listen, I don't know if you see what you, what busy, what's busy happening with you. You're like, a, you know, when you take a frog and you throw it into a cold pot of water, it stays there. And then you put it on the stove and you slowly cook it. That frog will be cooked in that pot dead without realizing it. If you throw it into a hot pot, it jumps out. See, what happens is people, sometimes it's putting you in an environment where it just gets hotter and hotter and hotter. That's what was happening with him. And I went to him and said, Cornell, my friend, I believe you're being deceived. And slowly you're drifting from God. And ultimately, by God's grace, God rescued him from that place. See, I want to ask you this morning, the word of God, if you think about it, our relationships around us, are we being the influence or are they influencing us? We're living in this world. Look at South Africa. Friends, we sit with so many opportunities in this nation. That's why we preach the word of faith. We have opportunities to bring hope to people who have no hope. We continue, it says, but you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true. And for you know, you can trust those who taught you this. What have you been taught? The Holy Scripture. Galatians 4 verse 19 says, my dear children, for whom I'm again in pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. The word of God sanctifies us, not just saves us. The word of God helps you and me. When we look at our lives, oh, you know what, I sh should not have done that. The word of God helps us to see who God is and how do we change our lives. Christianity is not just getting saved. Christianity is an ongoing process that you and I have the privilege to become more and more like God in righteousness and in holiness. And we keep on allowing God to change us because a transformed life is a life that testifies. A transformed life is ultimately a life that demonstrates the power of God. Ephesians 4 verse 24 says, put on a new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Some of you have been through Victory Weekend and we just announced Victory Weekend here. I want to encourage you to do that. 
See, it's one thing to get saved, but it's another thing to say, Lord, help me to shake off the things that holds me back so I can run fully for you. When we get saved, there's things in our lives that pass things that holds us back. But we believe in a gospel that really helps people to be set free totally. Many people have gone through Victory Weekend. Some of you sitting here today and you have a testimony of what God has done. What is that? The power of God. If somebody tells you words, you look at school, you have a teacher saying to you, you're worthless, you'll never amount to anything. Every one of us, somewhere in your life, somebody has spoken hurtful words over you. Words matter. Words hurt. Words define. Words can confuse. Words can deceive. But words can heal. Words can redefine. Words can give hope. That's why we have the word. This word does not kill. This word does not hurt. This word heals. This word confirms. It encourages. It calls back. It defines. Sometimes when you think this word hurts you, no, the word of God just takes out the stuff that should not be there so that you and I can be healthy. Verse 14 says, but you must remain faithful to the Holy Scripture, given you the, wis given you the wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Friends, the word of God is not just a book with information in it. That's a storybook. The Word of God tells us who God is. When you read the Word of God, we don't read it to get spiritual or religious facts so we can com communicate with people. We read the Word of God so that we can study with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is, so that we can have a relationship with Him. When he talks about this, he says, we need to stand firm, trusting in Jesus Christ. The word is Christ. And the word in Christ is trusting, have faith, which means there is a divine conviction of who God is that redefines our actions. Faith is not just something that you humanly try to make up. Faith is you get such a revelation of who God is that you start to literally change your life in a direction because you're deeply convicted even if people around you don't understand it. I remember in my high school, my primary school years and my high school years, because of this faith inside of us, I mean, I experienced Jesus when I was six years old. I gave my life to Christ. I was baptized in water at the age of 10. I was baptized in the Spirit at the age of 12. There's something that I just had in my soul. And then I remember at school, my friends wanted to go do certain things and something inside of me said, don't do that. And because I didn't want to do that, more and more you get isolated. And I remember even at school, people would say, oh, they're from that church, the sect. We were known as the sect in, in, in Fixburg. Just because we started to believe the Bible. We started to live the Bible. And you had to go through those moments of persecution, be rejected, be marginalized. And now the challenge is, am I gonna go with the crowd because I wanna be accepted by them? Or am I gonna stick with Jesus? Right through my high school years, there's certain parties I was not invited to because they don't want to invite me because I don't drink. They won't invite me because I do, don't do the stuff they do. Not because I'm better. No, I just, I read my Bible and I found that this doesn't please Jesus. If I wanna have a relationship with Jesus, it's not religious, if I want to please Jesus, I don't want to do things that displeases him. 
And because of those relationships, you always are being marginalized, but I found such a security in God that I could even react towards them in a loving way, still care about them, still be their friend, still invite them, still reach out to them. Why must I try become like them? I don't have to. After school, sitting in my house one day and I hear, open up the door. It's one of the guys who basically persecuted me the most at school. When I opened up the door, he started crying. He says to me, Phil, can you help me? I said, come in. We sit down. He says, I had a one night stand last night and the girl, I don't even know her. She's pregnant. Sat down and started to share the gospel with him. I said, why did you come to me? He says, out of all my friends at school, what I'm facing now, nobody can help me. I know you believe in Jesus. A few weeks later, another friend called me from the same group. There's something about the word of God that defines you and me. We are not from this world. We're not superior because we didn't save ourselves. We're not better because we made better decisions. No. We are saved by grace and by grace we live. But this book defines us. We are people of this book. We are people of the Bible, the God of this book. And allow God to define us. You see the Rhema word, Romans 10 verse 17 says, Consequently, faith comes by hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. Faith comes. If you say to your son, come, you expect an action. He says, faith comes. How do faith come? By hearing the word of God. So when we face, some of you think you need some faith to live in this nation. You know, to wake up tomorrow morning and are we going to make it? And is it going to turn ever? Is things going to change? You see, at the end, we all need faith. How do we get faith? We have to hear something. What do you need to hear? You need to hear your Bible in the morning. You need to hear your Bible in the afternoon. You need to hear your Bible in the evening. You need to find people around you who speak the word of God. You need to allow to surround you with friends who speak hope, who speak faith, who speak positivity, not negativity, not all times. So you look at Facebook and everything and everybody has a great life and you really find them, they don't. Facebook lies. I mean, there's something about it when you're in the Bible. It gives you a perspective of life and it tells you not how to avoid persecution, how to stand under persecution, how to face the difficulties, how to work through difficult times. Renee, myself, we battled to have children for a long time. I come from a big family. My younger brother already had children. My older brothers have children, my sister. And here we battle. And kind of, Lord, we, we wrestle with this. Why, why can't we have children? For four years, we battled. And I remember I walked into a doctor's office and he looked at me and he said to me, Phil, you will basically never have children. The problem is with you and it will be impossible for you to have children. And the moment we walked out, I said to my wife, we have a choice what we do now, because words were spoken. And if those words are the final words, then the doctor has the final authority. I'm gonna take the doctor's words out of respect, and I'm gonna take it to my final authority, Jesus. And I said, Lord, what do you say? If this is what you say, then that's it, and I'll submit. But I want to hear you say, we will never have children. And God said to me, you will have children and your very first child will be a boy. And he even gave us the name, Jesse. 
And for four years, we prayed for Jesse. While Jesse did not exist, he started to exist in our hearts. Faith is a substance of the things you don't see. Things you hope for. We hoped for a child. Evidence of things you don't see. Not because we hyped it up. Many Christians put all the scriptures against their walls and they name it and claim it and think because you say 20 times it's gonna happen. That's not faith. Faith is getting with God. You see, if you read to the Bible, Moses, Abram heard God and therefore he acted. Moses heard God and he delivered Israel. Joshua heard God and he delivered the people into Canaan. David heard God and therefore he absorbed the hostility of King Saul. Joseph heard God and was willing to obey above everything else. Daniel heard God when he was thrown to the lion's den. And in the midst of the lions, he heard God and he was secure that God's gonna protect him. Esther heard God. The apostle Paul heard God. And Jesus says, I do nothing unless I hear my father. We will save ourselves from so much pain, so much confusion, so much turmoil if we just take moments to stop and hear God's voice. Faith comes when you hear not when we speak. Faith comes when we silence ourselves and we listen. And God speaks. 2007, I was sitting in my home and God said to me, time for you to move to Pretoria. I said, Lord, if this is you, I'm not gonna manipulate this. I want you to speak to my wife without me telling her. I wanna confirm it's you. God's okay with it, you make sure it's him. Two weeks later, my wife comes to me and says, I don't know what you're gonna think about this, but I feel like we're gonna move back to Pretoria. I said, that's God. He told me two weeks ago. The next thing started falling in place and we moved and God says, go to Pretoria East and you plant and gave me specific. Go to the East part and as you go through Pretoria, the second church will be in Centurion. As we drove through, we haven't planted the one, we knew where the second one will be. And God says, plant and we started reaching Afrikaans people. People asked me, why do you do that? I said, God told me to do it. I mean, I live in a nation that has a lot of political things. God spoke to me. I have to obey God above man. Those same people started reach Africa Dream. They now reach into Africa. Here we sit 15 years later. Remember, we needed the property. And I was praying with them, Francis Forster. She's come and look at our property, OM's property, where Willow's church is. We were looking at 37 places by then, 37 places. And every time, oh God, we can do this, God said, no, no, no. And I learned a secret. Whom of you want to hear God's voice? Whom of you want to hear a yes from God? If you can't embrace a no, you'll never hear the yes. God said 37 times no. When I drove through the gates at Willows, God said, this is your place. We didn't see the figures. We didn't know what it's going to cost us. God said, this is your place. I drove in and said, guys, that's right. So we start to make an offer. No, no. And then developers got involved and this price just went through the roof. I phoned the management. I said, guys, we're not going to be. This is my final offer. If you want to take more, go with the developers, but would you pray about it? Two weeks later, they phoned me back and said, God said to them, they have to give it to us. We bought that property for four million. Where did we get the money? I don't know. Went back to our staff and God said to me, you're gonna pay this place off in four months. 
God, how? Well, I said to our staff, I believe that's what God told me. We went back to our church. We made two announcements. We never manipulate it. You'll see we don't take up tithes and offerings every Sunday. We train and we raise people, we disciple people because you need to live from your own convictions. We made two announcements because God spoke to us. We don't have to manipulate. This is our place. Would you go and pray as a family and ask God what you must give? We did not pay the place off in four months. We paid it off in three months. And not by just wealthy people coming. There was a widow sitting in our church and God spoke to her and says, that your money, your husband's money that's gonna be paid out, I want you to sow it in this. She walked to her office says, here's the money. The exact little bit that was left over, she paid. Can tell you so many stories. Can tell you stories as a child where I trusted God for something and where you in faith walk and God says, go and give your last 50 bucks in your account to that person who needs it. I said, God, that's my last, then I will need I decided to obey. I gave the guy 50 bucks. You know what? He started crying. He said to me, this is not about the 50 bucks. I'm doubting God. And I said, God, I want you to give me exact a 50 rand note today. When I heard that, I said, God, that's worth more than 50 bucks. A day later, I went to my car. I had to get something. Open up the cabbie. A pack of 10 rand notes like this. Brand new 10 rand notes. I had my keys. I don't know how people got into the car. 300 rand in my cabbie. That's 1993. 300 rand is enough money. <laughs> I can keep you busy. Story after story after story. I know you have stories. Jackie has stories. Every single moment you and I take this word of God and we start to read it, meditate on it, obey it, apply it, you will have stories. Why does Satan not want you to read your Bible? He wants you to be a storyless Christian. You tell everybody else about their stories and other people's stories and the books you read. Start to tell your own stories. What's the miracle you need today? What is the thing you say, Lord? And the greatest miracle is not what God does for us, but it's what God does in us that we can become authentic people that can face the storms and trials out there. We will never be storm-free, but the Word of God makes us storm-proof. And that concludes today's message. For more information, visit our website at everynationswane.org forward slash moikloof. That's everynationtwane.org forward slash moikluf. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Till next time then. Hey!